I'm Mihikoto and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy where with the assistance of the breather, Cam Rosengrave, we recap round 9 of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Well, namahi Cameron, and thank you very much for joining me again to recap round nine of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, well, one close game, and then one was a blight in the end. You know, each had their own talking points, but we'll start with Friday night's clash between our Hurricanes and the Chiefs, where they were pipped on full time, thanks to good old Damo again. 26-24. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it with you to maybe pick up where... I'm sort of alluding to and get your take on the game. Yeah, I think um, Hurricanes were in it right until the end there. Like you say, DMAC clutch again, five in a row. Yet again, the Hurricanes discipline letting them down, which is unfortunate. Could have snuck one there. It seemed almost inevitable when the Chiefs got the ball back. And even before they'd packed down, I was like, why do I feel like the Hurricanes are going to give away like a stupid penalty here? And, and I mean, like, you'd probably know better than me about what the what the front row was actually penalised for on the Canes part, but I just had this inkling, I'm like, McKenzie's going to come up somewhere again and just steal this one from us, and then, yep, obviously the referee sticks his arm out of advantage, and I'm just like, fuck, the Hurricanes are going to go down again in heartbreak after a pretty monumental effort on their part. I mean, they came out of the gates hissing and I think that maybe that that early momentum got the better of them and I think they maybe got a little bit too excited by looking to go to the corner um, right after Blackwell's try I know and I get it the the fact that they wanted to score tries because I mean they got nothing to lose for the rest of the season it's not like they needed this one to then go on to the final I think they were looking to just chant some stuff and maybe work on some stuff leading into the Trans-Tasman competition but yeah, it probably would have been different had there been more on the line. I think the Hurricanes would have looked to take the three a few more times and a couple of early things that they turned down, three points gets them the win in this game. But yeah, it, it's tough for another, it's another tough pill to swallow um, as, like I said, playing group, you know, going through that now and then even as fans because even with the absence of Artie Sevilla, they showed that they can put them up with the best of them, you know, when they want to, but like you mentioned, this their discipline ended up costing them in the end and just, you know, little errors started to creep in. Now, I didn't think the Chiefs were that flash either. I thought that after the Chiefs had found themselves and got a bit more ball in hand early in that first half, they were actually the more dominant team, but they themselves just couldn't quite capitalise. I point to the scenario where Damian McKenzie, for whatever reason, looked to put in like a crossfield kick when it looked like they had the overlap and Peter Garcia wasn't able to collect it and convert that into five points. So, yeah, I mean, going to the break 10 all, I was like, yep, the Canes are in this one, but then right after the half-time break, the Chiefs get an early penalty again, discipline, as you mentioned, and then they get the try through Bringatlin, and I was like, oh, shit, is this going to be another one of those games where their lacklustre effort, you know, right out of the oranges is going to end up almost cancel out, you know, the rest of the game after that 10 minutes, because I think, you know, me and you as codeheads both know how vital that 10 minutes before half-time and that 10 minutes after half-time is. But, yeah, again, credit to them, they stuck in it, and then, yeah, unfortunately... Just gave away a penalty uh, within Damian McKenzie's range and he took care of the rest. Yeah, it was a bit of almost poetic justice at the end there though too, wasn't it? Because they sh- the Chiefs should have had a penalty for Karifi being offside. So really they gave away two there at the end so they never put themselves in the frame to win it. 
which is sad, but um, hopefully they'll get better. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done around that team, but I thought, oh, you know, I guess I actually think me and you both mentioned, you know, the, the loss of Jacobson looked to potentially cancel out, you know, the loss of Severe for the Hurricanes. And I thought that, you know, the likes of Dupusi Karifi, even though I have mentioned, you know, continuously that he is prone to giving away a few too many penalties for my liking because I think he just plays like 100 miles an hour and he almost can't help himself half the time. And I think that's where he's going to need to rein it in if he's going to look to maybe assert himself at that next level. But I thought that Ford pack really stepped up against a team that was in form and the back line never quite looked like they were all that threatening. I actually think a lot of the play was created by their forwards and they, you know, they got them on the front foot. But the lack of creativity from the Hurricanes backs, which is a thing I've, again, I've probably mentioned a million times on this podcast, again went away and yeah it's who they got this weekend they got the highlanders this weekend to work on some more stuff um it'll be interesting to see how that one goes given that the highlands are coming off their bye but yeah credit to the chiefs man i mean like they keep winning these ugly games and fingers crossed they can do it against the crusaders and what's looking to be a, a final down there in christchurch between those two in two weeks time mm. I mean i guess before we jump onto the next game as well bro was there anybody else that stood out for you obviously mckenzie know did his thing and then kicked the goals and i mean you can point to a, a couple of those boys in the four pack um but yeah any, anyone that you want to sing out to before we move on yeah no just um they all they all really stood up like we said um Celesi was was excellent every time he got the ball he was just on fire i remember saying as i was watching the game i wish that they'd given him a bit bit more early ball with a bit of space and flanders wow he stood up too, I thought, against um, against a fairly experienced and um, pretty good loose trio. He was into everything. Yeah, he seems to just be finding his feet with a with a few more minutes under his belt. And I mean, he was sort of touted as a man child at school and was a part of that really strong Hastings boys team that went on to win top four. And I think they you know they were in contention for national honours for about a three or four year period. But he'd never quite sort of showed that you know I guess you know just sort of coming out the gate I think he's only like 22 23 so he's still got time on his side but yeah it's good to see him showing some promise alongside you know the likes of Karifi and when Adi Sevilla comes back they should prove to be quite a formidable loose forward trio I'm, I'm still not sure how you know where he quite fits in whether or not he's more of a six or an eight or you know how that's going to work out but yeah, he's shown a bit of promise. And then, yeah, like you mentioned with Celestia, it just seems like that whenever that guy gets the ball early and with a little bit of space, he seems to beat the first man and get his arms free. And I think that's probably something that I'd look to work on if I was him as a back line because he's the only real one for me that's showing you know, any real threat and ability to create play. But, you know, half the time he's getting this ball like real flat, you know, with no time or space. And I'm not sure if that's team's game planning for him, but, yeah. Get the ball to Slashy, and I think good things will happen. But um, yeah, we'll roll into our next game, mate, being the game between the Crusaders and the Blues. Uh, pretty disappointing. The Crusaders winning that one 29-6. Um, again, bro, I'll throw the mic to you and get your initial thoughts of that game and you know, what you liked and didn't like. Yeah, again, Crusaders cut above. Um, they just showed that they wanted it more than the Blues, I think. Um and um, ran away with it towards the end there. What else can you say? It was a pretty clinical performance that we've come to expect from the Crusaders. Blues didn't really show anything, which is what we predicted, isn't 
yeah you nailed it with that one bro there were just it was it was just a the difference between the two for me was just their option taking really i mean there were a couple of times in that first half where the blues looked to run the ball out of their own 22 and would turn the ball over so i mean that doesn't happen if pedal fitter kicks a ball or if harry Plummer kicks a ball rather than trying to throw it out and then bang what ends up happening pedal fitter looks to get the ball away because he's rushed and it's a four yep. pass scrum try time and then yeah just some poor reads on defense guys ball watching um was the result from that will jordan try and then just in the second half, man, I, I think, I'm not sure, you know, whether there has been a bit of an attitude change for the Crusaders, but, I mean, right up into that final whistle, when the Blues were looking to try and make something out of nothing, running the ball out of their own half, I mean, they were down by 20 points, so they were just, I guess, doing it for their own pride, but the Crusaders kept tackling like there was something on the line. The Crusaders' defence at the end was just, they were stinging them, eh? It was... Yeah, yeah, and, and for me, that was probably a, a notable change, you know, of course, besides the win but I think for them going into I mean they got the bye week this week but then going into that home final I think that's probably the sort of note they wanted to end on before you know going out for their refresher and then having to roll back in for the big one and yeah just that that back line it, uh, I don't know David Havili you know he could be an All Blacks bolter playing at 12 even though it's on his preferred position Lester Fanganuku I thought did a job on Riku Iwani who you know many would have thought would have taken a step up given he got handed the keys to the captaincy role alongside Dalton Papali'i. But, yeah, I guess the Blues' performance was just a reflection of Riku Iwani's day, to be honest. They were just, I don't know, they just yep. weren't quite there. They just, yeah, I'm sort of a bit lost for words for, for this one because given what they were touted to do, and, you know, even I blew a lot of smoke up their ass in the preseason and, again, after that first fortnight, but they just seem to have regressed as the season's gone on. And, yeah, it's, it's almost like, typical at Auckland you know they just can't quite stick in games you know when they need to and yeah this was just another reflection of that yeah couldn't agree more I applaud the Blues for giving a couple of young guys a go it was good to see uh, Plumtree get a bit of a run and the other one I liked the look of there was somebody else doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, the Swanee Vakina the, the hooker that came on yeah it might have been him Sorry, I can't even think who it was now. Oh, no, it was the... Um, sorry, it was for the Crusaders. It was the prop that came on at the end. Um, <clears throat> the big guy, Williams. To, yeah, Tamaiti Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, holy smokes. <laughs> He's a unit in the half, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I don't ever want to pack down against him. <laughs> he... Uh, I think he'll be an all-black. The way... Um, for a big guy, the way he got around the field um, and his scrummaging, he put... Tonga Fussy to the sword. Yeah, wow. Which Impressive. you don't typically see, you know, given no. the experience that Tonga Fussy has. Uh, but yeah, just the urgency from the Blues, eh? Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, we, we point to their, their option taking, you know, inside their own half. But then there are even a couple of times where the Crusaders put them under pressure, you know, they put in a kick and, you know, you have to applaud a kick chase because a kick is only as good as its chase, as the saying goes. But the Blues just didn't look like they like they wanted it as much as the Crusaders and I hate using those sorts of terms but I, I point to the one where Mwanga sort of danced around puts a kick in behind Caleb Clark goes back into cover and I think he's only got his back three there well it's almost like the whole you know 15 uh the 15 of the Crusaders that are on the park almost seem to flood that that right hand corner 
bang, they get a penalty, and then Cody Taylor scores from the um, from the ensuing rolling ball. So it's just yeah, the Crusaders again very clinical when they needed to be, but I thought that a lot of that stuff could have been put at bay had the Blues shown a little bit of extra effort, or you know had shown a little bit more smarts. A lot of it was the Blues' own doing, wasn't it? Yeah, they if they just yeah, like you say at the beginning, their option taking. Um, they definitely could have avoided some of those situations. Might have made, made that score read a little healthier for them. I just don't think you can put yourself in a hole against a team like the Crusaders, especially when you're away from home and then the crowd gets on top of you. So, yeah, yep. another disappointing result for them. And, it, you know, given their form, I can't see them beating the Chiefs, although they are going to be at home. So, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we've seen, you know, from all of the games so far this season that whoever turns up on the day can get the job done. Doesn't matter what the team lists say, but given the chiefs hot form, they're rolling into it. And then the blues are sort of licking their wounds now to then outdo the chiefs. You know, I just can't see that happening. Sorry, but before I let you go, um, I'm going to run you through five questions or five talking points that I've taken from this past weekend's games. And yeah, you just tell me whether you're running with them or passing on them. Cool. Yep. All right, number one with the Chiefs. Is their ability to win tight games equally as unimpressive as their ability to put away games early? Uh, I'm going to run with that one. Yep. I think that uh, the ability for a team to win a clutch game is, um, the other side of it is that the other team's given away a penalty or, um, in the Hurricanes' case, um, throwing the ball back to the Chiefs and let them score. So I think you've got to put yourselves in those in those positions to win it. But yeah, they need to come out a little bit more fizzing, don't they? If they're going to win that final. Yeah, exactly. But I can't see the Crusaders gifting them, you know, a 10-point buffer early on. Or, you know, if the Chiefs aren't quite there from the get-go, you know, I don't think they, you know, if they have a, I don't know, a 10-point lead like I just mentioned, I don't think they can afford to then take their foot off the gas against a team like the Crusaders, who I think will then come back and hold them out, unlike the Hurricanes, bro. But moving on to the black and yellow, did their narrow defeat prove that Geordie Barrett is in fact their most important player? Yeah, I think um, you can replace Savia with Karifi and you get a sort of a a like-for-like replacement and you don't lose a lot, but there's nobody else in that team I don't think that you can replace Barrett with. Um, and you still, and you would still get a sixty-meter goal kicker, um, and somebody with his height who can who can catch balls like that, and and the way he's been popping up as well is just excellent. So yeah, I think he is the most important guy for them at the moment. Well, fingers crossed he signs on the dotted line because I think he actually has a get-out clause in his current contract, which would allow him to you know go and join his brother at the Blues or down at the Crusaders. So. Yeah, if all these talks about Nani Lamapi, you know, going to France are in fact true and he ends up going, yeah, I'm not, I don't have the, the brightest of hopes for our backline moving forward, bro, but we won't get too caught up in that now because that's all hearsay. Um, but moving on to the Crusaders. On form, is David Havili deserving of the All Blacks 12 jersey first go round? Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between him and Lamape. It just depends depends what they want to go for. If they want a little bit more finesse, I would be going with Haveli. But if they want that uh, crash crash and bash and somebody who can who can break the line and get good yardage, 
I think um, Lamarck will be the man. But yeah, on on current form, it'll be, it would be Harvilli. Um, but as we've seen with the All Blacks in the past, you just they stick, they'll stick with the tried and true, and he might get a run off the bench. Yeah, I'm not sure which way they're going to go because I still think Ian Foster's holding up hope that Rico Iwani can come right at centre. And I'm, 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 you know, I've voiced my praise for Iwani or my want for him to get a little bit more action in the top side in the midfield. But when you're playing in a team that's going backwards and you're struggling for form, that generally doesn't bode well for national honours. So I think with Jack Goodhue being out and Anton Leonard Brown looking more like a centre now, given his time there with the Chiefs, yeah, yep. I think it really is a toss-up between Laomapi and Havili, and I think the the biggest indicator of where Laomapi's future lies is you know, whether or not he does get selected in the All Blacks because, again, as we've seen in the past, when guys have chosen to take overseas contracts, the All Blacks tend to turn a blind eye on you. But, yeah, again, we'll just have to wait and see that plays out. Uh, for the Blues, does the insertion of Bowden Barrett and Roger Tuovasa-Shek next year put the Blues back on level pegging with the Crusaders? Uh, two of us are shake, I don't know. Don't get me started on that. I just I really, it's a toss-up on how he's going to go. I think being a former Union star when he was at school, he'll probably go okay. But is he going to be able to, to insert himself and make a huge difference? I don't know. Um, Barrett, yep. I think he'll make a major difference to them. As we saw yesterday, um, they went for a change, tried to put Plummer in there instead of O'Terry Black, and it didn't work. What do they do now? Do they go back to Black? Um, I think they'll be hoping that, that Barrett can can uh, fix that spot that they signed him to fix. O'Terry Black was going well, but again, they've still struggled in that 10 spot, haven't they? I think that Altidia Black, you know, with all due respect, was the biggest beneficiary of the Ford pack rolling so well in those first couple of weeks. But as the season has wore on and teams have shown an ability to diminish the Blues' strengths up front, Altidia Black has just continuously looked, looked less and less confident because he's not getting as much time in front football uh, and as to whether Barrett, you know, if he steps into there makes a huge difference, you know, that's yet to be seen because we didn't see him play behind that forward pack as much as we would have liked over the course of a full season. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely an upgrade in the 10 position, but yeah, there's only so much a back I can do when the ball isn't as speedy as what you would like, bro. But again, we'll just have to wait and see how all of that plays out, bro. And then my last question for you before you get going uh, with the game on the line, has Damian McKenzie proved that he is the most reliable goal kicker in New Zealand? Yep, I think so. He's kicked them all, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he's got the track record, but I don't know. I like Geordie Barrett. I feel like he's got the clutch gene in him as well, and Richie Moang is generally pretty reliable in the big moments. But yeah, that it, I don't know. I thought I could throw that question to you because... I'm not sure if I do have a definitive answer. No, you don't know for sure. I think all three of them um, could definitely bang them. Um, it's just, like I said before, whether whether their team's going to put them in that position. 
to have a go. And the Hurricanes haven't done it for a while and the Crusaders never seemed to need somebody in that clutch position. And when they did, who stepped up? David Havili. There you go. He's another one, mate. If he gets picked yeah. at 12, then you got four different players to choose from if you do happen to have them all in the park at the same time. Uh, and as I've just said, I think about a hundred times over the last five minutes, we're just going to have to wait and see yeah. um, <laughs> how it all plays out, bro. But um, before you take off, man, I just want to say thank you once again for joining me on the show over this past week. It's great to have another guest on and get a bit of your insight. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I know that you mentioned off air that you've broken your hand. So all the best with that, mate. I'm sure I'll see you around the park and in our horno sometime soon. But yeah. Until I see you then, bro, just stay safe and healthy. Thanks, mate.